Thank you for tuning in to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here for Text Driven Tuesday with George Mays. How's it going, George? This is a special Text Driven Tuesday because it's actually Tuesday. It's actually Tuesday, yep. And this one will be out. It's going to be out Tuesday, okay? But late, late. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it done and get it uploaded okay. and all that. Uh, but usually, when people wake up on Tuesday, it's out. Right. But not this. Tuesday. So why uh, why are we doing it on Tuesday, Jay? Why couldn't we do it yesterday and have it drop? Well, this morning. What everyone looks forward to on Monday mm-hmm. happened for me Monday. It was oh, great, oh, great, great Monday morning, right. and my water heater was was out. Okay. So, yeah, it was worse than out. It was like tripping my breaker. Oh, okay. electric breaker. Yeah. So. Uh, thought I figured out what was going on with that because sometimes your heating element, if it's like corroded, mm. um, you know, it builds up like those deposits and stuff. Yeah, you uh, you can see from the outside even if it if there's a lot of it, and that can cause the connection to like uh, to, to 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 not arc because it's not like a like a big deal. You can't see it, but. It makes connection with the tank, and that'll trip the breaker. So I replace all that stuff. I'm like, oh, this is too easy. We'll get it done. And uh, then I turned it on and heard a pop. <laughs> so then figured figured out what happened. My where the, it's wired, the electrical wiring on top of it actually did arc. It was like kind of burned up there. So oh, wow. had to get the electrician to come out and okay, got to take care of. But how long did that take for him to do that? For the whole thing, the whole oh, process. Once I got all the parts and everything, I swapped the parts out. That probably took me twenty minutes, but mm. driving into town, getting the parts, getting back, replacing it, then it messes up again, finding it. Mm-hmm. I think he finished about with the electrical stuff around four o'clock. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so, a day, huh? And then I woke up this morning and there was water. So I'm still not done done yet because uh, okay. Now I've got to find out if that water was from when I fixed it, yeah, um, or if it's actually leaking water now that I moved it. Because okay. if you move plumbing, mm-hmm. if you mess with any plumbing, right, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, something else breaks and it leaks. Okay, it's just how it is. Yeah, so you don't mess with stuff if you don't have to. Yeah. So now that's what I was messing with all morning. Uh, well, not all morning. I'd ran up here because I had to listen to your sermon. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I'm going to interview okay. you. You know, I'm going to interview because yeah. I wasn't here Sunday. Right. When you preached this, I was at another church preaching. Playing, playing hooky. Yeah. Preaching over at Josh's church. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And so I hadn't been able to listen yet. So, been a great Monday, Tuesday. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. I know so, our, our hot water heater went out, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago just sitting in my living room on a Saturday morning and hear like a waterfall <laughs> was happening. Uh, Got to the garage and... Did it drain out your garage? It was just letting loose. Just water coming out of that overflow pipe. Mm-hmm. Yep. It went in, did it go into the garage? Oh, yeah. So not in the house? Not in the house. That's good. No. Yeah. Not Sometimes fun. it goes the other way. Mm, yeah. So, so here we are on a Tuesday. It'll come out. It'll people probably wonder like where where's this thing been? Why is it? That's why. Okay. All right. So, I've already had someone ask me. Yeah. So we're back text driven Tuesday. First one back from the break, and you're back in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter three. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so we're going to walk through that. Um, before you read, give us, it's been a long time since I've been in Hebrews. Yeah. In five minutes <clears throat> or less, if you can do <laughs> okay. it. All right. Tell us why Hebrews is written mm-hmm. and what happened in chapters one and two. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see how good how good are you? Josh King could pull it off. He's, oh yeah, he I probably call, could do it in thirty seconds. I call him. He doesn't know this. If he's listening, he'll figure this out. <laughs> I call him the pithy king. The pithy king. Yeah, Josh King, the pithy king, because he's a he's very pithy. Yes, in his preaching, yeah. he'll drop like a sentence deal, and it takes me about ten mm. to say the same thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I'm looking at the uh, I'm Let's looking see if at you the, can do it. I'm looking at the monitor over here, and people might be wondering why is there a fake palm tree uh, behind me? That was a, a little gift from Philip when I got in here, and I usually move the stuff. He tries to sneak stuff in behind us all the time. Sometimes he succeeds, but this one uh, I decided I would leave just to put a little smile on Philip's face. So, <laughs> so hopefully he enjoys that. Um, and aloha to you, yeah. Jay. A little. Reminder of you yeah. could be in Hawaii right now instead you're yeah. here at cold Oklahoma. Yeah. So all right. So uh what was the question? Oh <laughs> so why why Hebrews? Yeah, yeah. Right. What's Hebrews about? Okay, so and then the first two chapters. All right. So um the Christians um are being persecuted for their faith. They're they're being ostracized from community. They are we'll find out in chapter ten they're they're having their property confiscated some of them have been thrown into prison um, because of opposition from uh, both the jewish leaders Mm -hmm. and from the roman officials so based upon that persecution these christians are being tempted to return to judaism okay um they're they're being tempted to go back to the old testament sacrificial system because um judaism is a, a recognized religion in in the Roman Empire, so it, it's illegal to be a uh, to be a Christian. It's legal to be a Jew or to practice Judaism. So if you go back to Judaism, uh, you're gonna you're going to be may I say kosher? Mm-hmm. Can I say kosher? Um, because the the Romans are going to leave you alone, and the Jews are going to leave you alone. Mm. The author of Hebrews is writing this. And you can sum up the book of Hebrews with the phrase, Jesus is better. And so throughout the book, he's going to show that Jesus is better than all of these Old Testament um, institutions. The the temple and the priest and the sacrifices and the rituals, even the Old Covenant itself was all pointing forward to and culminates in Jesus. And mm-hmm. so to return to those Old Testament institutions is not to move from one way of worshiping God to another way of worshiping God, but from leaving worship of the true God in the way that he has required Mm -hmm. in the person of Christ and rejecting him and going back to dead religion. And so he's he's going to show that Jesus is better. So in chapter one, he shows that Jesus is better than the Old Testament revelation. So long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets but in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. So here's the the movement from Old Testament revelation through the prophets to the final full revelation of who God is in Jesus. Uh, Jesus is better than the angels. Um, this is tied uh, directly to their ministry of giving the law in the Old Testament. Um, we talked about that 
um, in chapters, uh, chapter two really makes it more clear. Um, and he's, he's better than the angels because he is the, uh, the Davidic king. He is the son of God, the, the Messiah, and he also is Yahweh himself. Mm-hmm. And so he is superior to the angels. Um, he is the one in his incarnation. He fulfills all of uh, God's purposes and promises for humanity. Humanity is was created to rule over creation. Um, because of sin, we have lost that. But in Christ and in, in his incarnation, he becomes the true man who um, he, he inherits all of the promises that God has given to mankind. And in his death, resurrection, uh, and ascension and intercession, um, he represents his people. He dies for them, and now he intercedes for them, and he, he helps them in their weakness. So when they're being tempted to uh, to abandon the faith or to water things down so that they don't face as much persecution, he's there to help them because he has suffered. Um, he, he knows what it's like to suffer temptation, uh, and so he can help those who are also suffering when they're tempted. Okay. So there you go. That's That's kind of a... I don't know if that was under five minutes or not, but that that's kind of an overview. All right. So now we're jumping into chapter three. Yep. Okay. So I guess I'll just have you read okay. what you covered, chapter three, one through six. Okay. And then we will jump right in. Okay. All right. All right. Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six. The author writes, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. All right. So you have three points, and I kind of like I kind of like the uh, the way the points are set up because I think it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. It's um, well now I can't remember. Now you can't remember them. Um, what is it? What, what we are to do? Uh huh. Yep. Why we are mm-hmm. to do it? Yep. And how we do it? Yep. I like that. There you go. Very super easy. Nothing revolutionary there. No, it's uh, it's good. It's nice to remember. So, yeah. in this text, what, what are we to do? Well, there's there's one overarching imperative, one okay. one command, and it's found right there in in verse one. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "Consider Jesus." Okay. So that is the. That's the, that's the imperative that really, I, I think, is going to carry us all the way through chapter four, but especially right here at, um, at the beginning of chapter three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we are to consider Jesus. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It, um, this, I like how the NIV Mm. translates it. It, it the niv translates it as fix your thoughts on okay so when we think about consider um it's it has kind of a um 
give it a try. Five right, yeah, you had a, a funny illustration about that. Yeah. Was it Rick Warren? It was Rick Warren, yeah. Yeah, yeah, tell us that illustration. Uh, I, I had to look it up because I, I remember someone mentioning it, I don't know, a long time ago, but I looked it up and there's a video of him on Fox News and he's being interviewed by Sean Hannity and he says, um, I've got it written down, he says, uh, give Jesus a 60-day trial and see if he won't change your life. And they're all laughing. Ah, oh, sixty day, sixty day trial. And you say, and, and if he doesn't, you get your money back guaranteed. And they just find that to be hysterical because there's no reverence anymore, right, uh, for anything. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what when you hear that word consider, mm. that can be kind of the connotation that you that kind of comes up in your mind. You know, give him a shot. Um, it's kind of the uh, Pascal's wager. Mm. Or Pascal's wager. Yeah. You know, if if I if I if I uh you know trust Jesus and it, it proves to be false, then I've lost nothing. But right. if if it's true and you haven't, then you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um that's not really the way that the gospel is presented. Mm. Um it's not something that you just give it a try. Um this idea of consider it has more of the uh, the uh, understanding of um think about it deeply um ponder it with your mind's eye is the way one um greek lexicon puts it um it's it's translated in a couple of places in the the new testament that helps us to understand it a little bit more matthew chapter 7 verse 3 why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but you do not notice Mm. the log that's in your own eye that notice is that word consider Mm -hmm. um you know this isn't a passing glance you need to really be thinking before you try to get the the minor sin that you see in your brother. Um, you need to be considering your own sin, mm-hmm. right? Um, Luke twelve twenty four. Consider the ravens. Uh, Jesus is telling his disciples to think about and and ponder what the ravens are like, how they they don't toil, they don't store in a barn, and yet God cares for them. Right, so this idea of considering Jesus—it's not a passing glance. It's not you know every once in a while, um, you know you you think about him for a couple of seconds. This is a fix your eyes on him, mm-hmm. fix your thoughts on him, meditate upon him, um, let him be your all-consuming obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what um, that's what we're called to do. And the there's this therefore because of all these things in chapters one and two of of who he is. Fix your thoughts on him. Fix your thoughts on him. Um, I, I used the uh, tried to talk to the kids in the in the sermon, and I said, "Kids, think about your favorite Christmas gift." Um, you you probably can picture it in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know exactly where it is in your room. Um, when you go home, your parents probably aren't going to have to tell you to play with it. Like you're probably going to want to to play with it. This probably applies for adults also. What'd you get for Christmas, Jay? You get anything good for Christmas? Went to Hawaii. Went to Hawaii. That was just it. Yeah, saved up all our money to go eat eat food at Hawaii. The rest was covered by my folks. Yeah, because it's their fiftieth anniversary. They took us all out there, so we just saved up our money so we could. Yeah. Eat, eat 
It's a good thing we did too. Because <laughs> it's expensive in Hawaii, George. It is expensive. I don't know how people live there. All right. So you can you can um you can fix your thoughts on the things that you did in Hawaii, right? Sure. Like no one has to tell you in yeah. you know, enjoy yourself in Hawaii. You know, um think about those memories with with uh fondness. Mm. Like you're just going to. Right. Um that's that's what we need to we need to do even more with Jesus. We we fix our thoughts on so many things. We're we're so enticed by all of these other things and we need to be considering Jesus. He needs to be our what we are fixing all of our attention on. So if we go into the historical background of like why he's writing you brought up before. Yeah. Do you see this as like a step one, maybe for people apostatizing? Yeah, I, I think that what they they start thinking about yeah, other things. Yeah, I mean, it, if the if the whole book is about Jesus is better, mm. then the the reason why they're apostatizing is because they're they're losing sight of the fact that Jesus is better, mm-hmm. and so they're seeing, well, if I if I if I worship Jesus as the Messiah and I'm not going to the temple anymore and I'm not making animal sacrifices anymore and I'm not following, you know, all the kosher laws anymore. Um, I'm being made fun of, or I can't do business um, with the same people that I did before. I've, I've gotten fired from my job because my Jewish my Jewish boss like he doesn't want anything to do with me. Mm. Maybe you know, maybe Jesus is comparable to this other stuff. Maybe maybe these other things are just another way to get at God. And so they're taking their eyes off of Jesus and they're saying, well, what's the harm of, I've been doing it my whole life, what's the harm in taking a lamb up to the temple and making an animal sacrifice? Um, because I've got the Old Testament, I've got you know, I've got the law of God, this is what God says. So it, God doesn't change, so you know, we've got kind of the, these two ways instead of just one way. So you're, you're taking your eyes off of Jesus as better and you're seeing him as well. He's just he's he's another prophet. He's not the prophet. He's he's just another one. Um, he's he's just another way in which you could go to God. Mm. But there's this other way over here too. And if this way allows me to keep my job and my family and my friends and and my livelihood, and I can keep going the synagogue, and people don't cross the street when I you know they see me coming, uh, that's all well and good. Yeah, so I, I would say that yeah, that's that's where you're that's that's where you're going to start drifting. What about people today? You say like you know, a lot of people maybe are in church and then they get a little older, and somehow or another they just stop they stop going to church. Mm-hmm. You think this is step one? They stop they stop having their thoughts to be because when everyone first becomes a christian you're mm-hmm. this is very is very it's super easy right right that's all you think about you think about jesus yeah. jesus and the bible and you're thinking about it all the time yeah so do you see like today step 1 people stop thinking about jesus this begins another it's the first step of many and then before they know it they aren't part of the church anymore mm-hmm. or they've deconstructed or whatever right you know? people the phrases people use today right well you listen to these deconstruction narratives and they're talking about all this other stuff Mm -hmm. the church has 
been unkind to me. I, you know, there's been abuse or misogyny or just, I mean, you just name something, right? Right. Um, they've already, like, they're not talking about the thing that really matters. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about Jesus. Um, because they've, they've gotten so focused on all this other stuff that that becomes preeminent for them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave the church because of the people or because of the institution or, or the leadership or, you know, what, whatever it is. I mean, they've, they all start to kind of run together. Once you start listening to them, they, they all just kind of start running together. But mm-hmm. what they don't realize is that they've made those things so ultimate that when they let you down, you're going to leave the church. They're not supposed to be the ultimate. Like you're not supposed to, um, come and worship at a church because the leadership is just so amazing all the time mm-hmm. and they never make any mistakes. They never, they never misspeak. <laughs> they never, uh, you know, become so zealous that they trip over, <laughs> trip over themselves. Um, you go to worship Jesus and you go to worship Jesus with other believers because that's what Jesus wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus knows what's best for you. Um, so without saying it, they already have done it. They already have taken their eyes off of Jesus. They've already stopped, stopped thinking about him as ultimate because they they put all these other things up at the top of the list. Mm. Um, and uh, even people that don't deconstruct, people that just kind of drift away from the faith, we saw that in chapter two, there, there's danger of, of drifting. Mm-hmm. You drift because you you've lost your anchor and what is the anchor your anchor is in is trusting in christ like you're holding on to him um so when these people they start to drift it's because they've taken their eyes off of jesus and they start putting it on other things I don't have to go to church today because you know i was i was up late watching the game and uh you know I'm, I'd just fall asleep in the church service anyway. Hmm. Like you've already taken your eyes off of Jesus as the ultimate. You, you've 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 completely forgot. Like my priority is to meet with Christ's church on the Lord's day to worship Jesus. So I should plan accordingly. Hmm. Right. So you are you already have done it. You already have taken your eyes, and that we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. We've all stayed up too late on a Saturday night, <laughs> and you know drifted off on a Sunday morning. Um, that's just a, that's just one example. But you, I think if you, if you were to interview people that haven't, haven't really consciously left the faith, but have over the course of time, they've stopped coming to church and they, you know, they'd still call themselves a Christian, but you know, they, they just don't, they don't do anything that you would really associate with being a Christian. I think that if you really dug down deep, you'd see that they have lost sight of Christ as better than everything else. Mm-hmm. And so they've just made these compromises, these just these little little compromises that by taken by themselves don't seem really big. Right. But when you compound them together and you look back over the course of a couple of years, you see, man, I'm I'm gone. Yeah, it's like the reverse like uh so we th- there's this way uh of becoming excellent at something it applies to other things but we apply it to sports in our house so 
the idea, like if you have lofty goals to be like very excellent, like say a baseball, right? So for Drake or even for broke for softball, but Drake, he's college is coming sooner. The idea is to be only slightly better today than you were yesterday. And if you have that mentality and you do something today, like a lot of people think they need to practice two hours a day. If you just spend 15 minutes today and you're a tiny percent, 1% better today than you were yesterday, well, what happens in a year? You're a lot better, right? That compounds. The same thing happens in reverse, I think, when it comes to in the Christian faith. If you if there, there's only these small, sometimes it's a drastic, uh, you know, I apostatize, problem of evils involved mm-hmm. a lot of times with that stuff. But sometimes it's just, like what you're saying, it's, it's a little tiny bit today. Yeah. And then tomorrow it's a little bit more. The next day it's a little bit more. So 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 small you can barely even notice. Right. And then in a year or two years, well now you've you're not even involved in the church at all. Yeah. And you don't even maybe you don't even recognize yourself. Right. Yeah. So you got to be you got to be really careful. I mean, you bring up sports and I'm I'm sure that you're instilling in your kids a love for Jesus. They're going to have to be really diligent to do this because mm-hmm. sports can become all encompassing. Right. And so much of it is on a Sunday. Like they've got to be doubly diligent to make sure sports is what I'm trying to be really good at, mm-hmm. but it's not ultimate. Right. Right. Um, and that can apply for people with all kinds of jobs, um, all kinds of hobbies, uh, I, family obligations. I mean, I, I think the way you do this is to, um, Cultivate like not just within your children, but within yourself and in your family, and the idea of how transistory is that? A, did I just make that? Word I think up? you might have slipped uh, on that one. Transistory, <laughs> transitory. Transitory I think is what you're. That's what I think. I'm that's what you're going for. <laughs> Everything in life is right. Right. So you're young. You're young, and you got this stage in your life, and you can glorify God and playing sports. Mm. Eventually, it's it's over. Right. And no matter what, it's over. You can play professional sports. It's even going to end for Tom Brady, believe it or not. <laughs> right. I think some people will think it will never end for him. Uh-huh. Sometimes I think so too. But it's ending. Right. And uh, if it's ultimate, mm-hmm. I mean, you see it like we have, we have a military people in our church. Right. So one place you see this is. If the, your career in the military becomes ultimate, mm. sometimes these guys get out. You know, they've been 28, 30 years. That's a long time. Yeah. You give your life. Mm-hmm. And they're really dedicated. And then then they have no identity afterward. Right. And, and it can even happen to Christian people. Mm-hmm. So this isn't something that just happens to non-Christians. Right. Everything in your life, you got to hold on to it, like, really loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, from even... Well, People like people can't become ultimate. Right, it can't be anything. Yeah. So the idea has got to be uh, today. If you want to apply the spe- sports metaphor, I-, I don't like telling my kids be a better Christian than you were yesterday. <laughs> right? Right, right. So I don't ever use that terminology. Yeah. Because that can, because you very easily can fall into becoming a, like a, a legalist mm-hmm. and a Pharisee. Yeah. But the idea is to just do something today. Yeah. Spend time with the Lord in somehow today, not just on a Sunday. Well, I think it's um, and, kind of this um, love Jesus more today. Yeah, and and this doesn't happen accidentally. 
you have to really work at it. Mm. Uh, Julia and I, we we talk to each other about this all the time. We we love each other more today than we did when we got married. Like that doesn't happen accidentally. You don't just fall into that. You got to work on the relationship, right? You spend time together. You cultivate shared interests and hobbies. You enjoy being with each other. Um, and I think the way you do it is through commitment. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's the same. I, I think it's the same with with Christ. You you want to love Him more. You want to love Him more today than the day that you first <clears throat> trusted in Him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not going to happen by you. Um, spending all of your time in the office and no time with scriptures or in prayer. You never go to church. You're never around other believers. Like you've got to be committed. Like you yeah. said, you got you got to commit yourself to this, and you love yeah. him. You'll love him more. Yeah, you got to find you got to find out some type of thing that works for you. Like uh, it's easy for us to spend a little time every day. Or a lot of time every day, yeah. In the Bible or with God, right. people in their various jobs, they got to find out a way. I mean, it's easier now than ever. But one thing I used to do when I was in the army, we had these <clears throat> little pockets, and I had a little one in my arm, and so I could always feel it. I had a little Bible in here, and I always feel the weight of it on my arm. So I was always reminded. And then sometimes, you know, you just get like a little ten five minute break. You know what's better? And it's right there. You know what's better just, than having it on your on just, your arm? Oh, don't little, say it. Don't t- I knew where you were going. <laughs> to bind it on my forehead. Yeah. To tie it around. Have a little, my... have a little phylactery on your forehead. Yeah, that's right. That's even better. Yeah. So then, you can't miss it. <laughs> then you got a little time. Just take it out. And hey, we're 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 drifting into the the third point. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but talking about this, I, I, it 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 brings to mind uh, the idea here: were to consider the way you're talking about. Because there's gonna be a lot of times I think in people's lives where it's very easy to do this stuff, um, <clears throat> but there are times where things are not going well, and it's difficult. And people may even feel like, "Man, like, do I even really love Jesus?" Yeah. Like uh, Spurgeon, if you read Charles Spurgeon stuff, everyone should read his stuff. Um, there was a point in time in his life where his ministry was on the line. Mm. Like he was on the verge of maybe apostatizing. And the problem of evil was at root at the root of it. it's when that big um the the Surrey Gardens music or music hall disaster where all those people died while he's preaching. People were trampled to death and stuff. And uh what's interesting about it is when he's in his lowest, lowest time, uh like that and uh, it seems like it's all on the line. What snapped him out of it was this, like considering Jesus. Yeah, He began to think about Philippians, how he's uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mm. And he says, he said something to the effect of, uh, how can I like stay in the trench when, you know, there is the King of kings, Yeah, whatever, and, and it, kind of like pulled him up out of this yeah. super dark place he was in. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're going through difficult times, and we're going to talk about this more as we get into deeper into Hebrews, um, the difficulties that they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not talking to Christians that are having an, an easy go at it right now. He's, he's talking right. to, about Christians that are, are they're suffering. They're suffering. They haven't experienced death yet, but it's right around the corner, and it's almost as if he's saying, "Look, you need to, you need to consider Jesus now because it's going to get 
worse. Um, be, be prepared mm-hmm. by looking to Jesus now. We, we need to do the same thing. Like we're, we're starting to see persecution start to slowly ramp up here in America. Um, we need to be fixing our eyes on Jesus now before mm-hmm. the next wave of persecution hits. Right. Um, what, what this does is, you know, when, when we are going through difficult times, when we're suffering, um, when we're, you know, we're experiencing sadness or depression, the temptation is to look inward. It's to look in on ourselves. Um, and we get so that our feelings become all encompassing. Mm-hmm. And what this does, consider Jesus, it takes us outside of ourselves. You got to look outside of yourself. You don't look inside of yourself for the answers. You don't, you don't try to pep talk yourself. You don't try to, you know, pull yourself up, um, talk yourself out of depression or whatever. You, you look outside of yourself and you fix your eyes on Jesus. Right. That's where your hope comes from. Your hope doesn't come from in inward. Mm-hmm. It comes from outward. It comes from the Son of God, the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Captain of our faith, mm-hmm. um, standing there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it just for me, I know personally for me, I can get really frustrated with stuff. Yeah. Because of what goes on in the church world. Like you look around at the church world, it's like such a mess. Yeah. And if you do that, if like if I do that all the time, it'll just get me like in a really bad place. Yeah. Where I'm like irritable, even angry, and and then you know that, but then I realize this is just, don't worry, whatever. You need to get back to, <laughs> you know, get back to, uh, get back to Christ. That's it. Yeah, you know, He'll deal with people, right? When he in His time in His way, it's easy to get frustrated with church stuff, yeah, and with church people. Even before I became a pastor, I mean, you're not, you're not going to get along with everyone in the church all the time. You're not always going to see eye to eye. Um, we're all individuals. We all have different personalities. Not not every personality is going to you know mix with each other. Um, we're gonna some person's going to make a decision that you disagree with. Um, fix your eyes on Jesus. Work through those things in a biblical way, but fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And um, if you don't, you're going to become dissatisfied with the church. You're going to be grumbling against leadership. You're going to, you know, you're just going to church hop. And what you're going to find when you go to a different church is people that you don't always get along with and you don't always <laughs> agree with. Leadership doesn't always do things you like because there's no perfect church. Um, and if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. You'll run it by, mm. by coming yourself, right? Mm. Um and uh, but if you fix your eyes on Jesus, and then you you'll it puts everything in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now that's what to do. What what about why? Why we do it? And he lists several things. I, I probably I probably put more. Yeah, I sub, didn't really. I didn't really build it. Yeah, I didn't. Than, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I I just kind of went through them. I didn't write. Here's one. Here's two. Here's three. Right. Yeah. Um, just kind of pointing them out as we went through the text. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first thing is you got the therefore at the beginning of verse one, which mm-hmm. reminds us of chapters one and two. Mm-hmm. I mean, of, of who he is. He's the full and final revelation of God. He is the son of David. He's the king. He's he is God himself. Um, he he is our our elder brother. He's the one who has lived and died and represents us and intercedes for us. But now as we go, as we go further into chapter three, we see he's the apostle and the high priest of our confession. 
Um, so as the apostle, he speaks to man on behalf of God. He's the sent one. God sent his son into the world to, to, uh, to communicate to us who he is. Um, that's, that's who Jesus is. Um, as high priest, he represents us before God. And so um, in his life, death, resurrection, he intercedes for us. Um, on behalf of God. And this idea of apostle and high priest, it's really anticipating um, chapter 12, verse 2, where he is the, the author and finisher of our faith. And so he is the source of our faith. He is um, central to our faith. He's not just one, he's not just another individual um, in a long line of individuals throughout the Bible. He's, he's not just another character. He is the central character, he is the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so look to him, consider him, fix your eyes on him. Um, he's not just, and I brought this up, that, that I think that a lot of people, they've been raised to read their Bible as kind of this moralistic example text. Mm-hmm. So be like Joseph, right? be like Moses, be like David, be like yeah. Daniel. Uh, and then you get to the New Testament, be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like he's, here's, here's a bunch of individual characters that... They they're examples for us on how to live, and you get to Jesus, and well, here's another one. Mm. He might be he might be a better one than them, but he's just another another character. But that's not that's not how the Bible presents Jesus. The Bible presents him as here's the one that all of these other figures have been anticipating. So um, you know, Moses is anticipating. Jesus, David is anticipating Jesus, Daniel is anticipating Jesus. And so everything they have to say, their lives are all pointing forward to Christ. So he's not just another character, he is the central character. So fix your eyes on him. If he's the central character, um, and he's, he's the central character in all of, all of history, and we're, the whole reason that we exist is for him. Um, if that's true, then we need to fix our eyes on him mm. and the fix your eyes on anything else would be ridiculous. So many people are wandering around asking, you know, what am I here for? What's, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? It's found in Jesus. So fix your eyes on him. Um, consider him, think about him, meditate upon him, um, know him. And, uh, what, what other reason do you need? Right. <laughs> if he's, if he is the whole reason that there is something instead of nothing, but the whole reason God said, let there be light in the first place was so that Jesus would be glorified. Um, maybe we should orient our lives around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he also is um, compared with Moses. Mm-hmm. Right? So here's, here is um, verse 2. He's faithful to him who appointed him. So God sent Jesus appointed him to do a work. He was faithful to him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. Mm -hmm. So we've got this comparison, this one-to-one comparison. Moses is faithful in the Old Testament. Jesus is faithful in the New Testament. Yep. But he says something that is um, really explosive in verse three. Mm -hmm. He says, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's bringing us back to the theme of Hebrews. Jesus is better than Moses, so he's better than the Old Testament revelation, better than angels, better than Moses. Right. Um, but 
we don't really feel that full effect. Like we hear Jesus is better than Moses and we think, sure. Um, because we're, we're separated from, you know, 2000 years right. from the Jewish believers of the first century. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there really is three, you know, monumental figures in Jewish history. It's Abraham, David, and Moses. And it's through Moses that, um, really their whole life is oriented around because it was to Moses that God gave the law and the law is not just the 10 commandments, right? There's laws about what they can eat, what they can wear, what kind of crops they can plant, um, uh, yeah, what they're supposed to do on particular days, how they're supposed to treat their neighbor, like everything that everything about how they're supposed to live with, you know, you got to give your, you got to give a certain percentage of your money, like all of it, everything is wrapped up in the law and the law was given through Moses. And so for, for the writer of Hebrews to say, Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, that, that's just a bomb that goes off mm-hmm. in their, their whole way of thinking um, because their whole identity is wrapped up in we follow Moses. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying, well, someone better than Moses has showed up. Mm-hmm. That's it's pretty massive. Yeah. Right? Mm. We, we don't really get it because we're a bunch of, you know, Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like I've always eaten ham sandwiches. There's never been a, a time when that was considered you know, unclean, right? <laughs> right. Um, but for them, th- this would have been massive. I really struggled with trying to figure out how can I communicate this to the people? Because <laughs> we just don't get it. it. It just doesn't hit us the same way. I mean, the the closest I could get was was you know the founding fathers when they they formed um, you know a republic where the power of governing is invested in the people, that's completely different than the rest of Europe that was all monarchy. Mm-hmm. Like their entire lives, their, their ancestors going back to great, 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 great grandfathers, all they'd known was monarchies. And now here's the founding fathers who are saying the power of governing is invested in the people, and the people elect their leaders. Even that is pretty abstract, mm-hmm. right? Even that is like, because eh, we like that's just what we've always we've always known. We haven't known anything different. Um, the other one that I came up with is when someone says that LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Mm. Like, yeah, maybe that would be comparable to mm. what a Jew would hear. Jesus is better than Moses. Come right. on, yeah. <laughs> Um, except it's true, right? Jesus yeah. is is far superior to Moses. Um, it's it's, and it's not just the the author of Hebrews that is drawing out this comparison. The the scriptures right. anticipate this. John, mm-hmm. the Apostle John, you know, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. He's not denigrating Moses. He's just putting Moses in his proper place. Right. Um, the the way that the Jewish you know the religious leaders were treating Moses was as as if he was the goal, right? Like he's the he's the end of all of God's revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's not how even Moses, <clears throat> yeah, um, treated himself. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter eighteen. He says God's going to raise up a prophet like me from among your brothers. It's to it's to him. To whom you must be listening, right? Right. 
So even Moses, at the end of his life, is saying, God is going to raise up someone. He's going to be like me, but he's, he's saying he's going, to be, he's going to be better than me. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and this was Jesus's this was Jesus's view also mm-hmm. uh, John chapter 5 um, if you if you believe Moses you would believe me because he wrote about me mm-hmm. uh, Luke chapter 24 when he's explaining that the Messiah must suffer and then rise from the grave what's he do he says uh, Luke says beginning with Moses he explains to them all the things that were written Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is Jesus's perspective also. So Moses is not meant, he, he was never intended to be the 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 goal. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he was never meant to be, this is the end of all of God's redemptive purposes for his right. people. Yeah. Moses was meant to anticipate the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So the law was meant to anticipate and prepare the people for when the Messiah shows up. Mm-hmm. The the tabernacle, the priests, the sacrifices, they all were instituted not as an end in themselves, but as a means to anticipate the work of the Messiah. And that's the way the New Testament picks up on all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, This is the way it, the author of Hebrews is going to go through the rest of the book he's going to be showing how all of these things are really about jesus and so to go back to moses to go back to the old testament institutions um and to reject jesus is to completely misunderstand moses yeah and the the writer of hebrews gives two like very easy to understand illustrations that anyone can understand that the builder of a house is greater than the house itself, uh-huh. and in this case, Jesus as God is the builder. He's of the, the builder. House. Right? He's he is Yahweh. Yeah. Right. Moses. Moses. He was called by God to lead Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus. He was meant to lead them to the Promised Land, but Moses didn't create Israel. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't. It wasn't the promises that Moses gave to Abraham that that are now coming to pass. <clears throat> It's God. Yeah, Moses is just like a pillar in the house. Yeah. Like the other apostles and prophets. Yeah. Um, the word the word that's used here as a servant, it's not it's not doulos. It's not the it's not the word for for slave. It's a word that um, I don't think it's used anywhere else in the the New Testament. Um, but in the Septuagint, I think it's translated as steward. And I think of Joseph. Mm-hmm. How how Potiphar made Joseph the head of his house, so he's he's the head of all the other slaves, but he's still a slave himself. Mm. He may be the top slave, but he still is is a slave in the house. Right. That's that's how um, that's how we should understand Moses is that he is he is um, know, promoted to this place of honor but he still is just a servant in the house. Um, but God builds the house, and Jesus, as God, he's the builder of the house. So he's, he's got to be better than Moses because Moses didn't build the house. He's in the house, whereas Jesus builds the house. Uh, yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, but also we've, we've got verse, uh, verses 5 and 6. Yeah. you got to not skip over those prepositions. Mm-hmm. Right? Moses was faithful in the house, Jesus is faithful over the house. Mm-hmm. 
because he's a son. Right. Moses is a servant. Jesus is a son. And so as a son, he has the honor of sonship. He's, he's not treated like a slave. Uh, the illustration I gave is, you know, we, we call some, someone over to the house to work on the plumbing or work on the heat or air. Um, my sons are not expected to get on their hands and knees next to the plumber and help him with the toilet, right? Because he's the son. He's got, he's got privileges. Uh, on the flip side, you know, if, if we have an electrician come to the house, like you had an electrician come to the house, mm -hmm. you'd probably be shocked if he came in and popped open the refrigerator and started making himself a sandwich, <laughs> right? Whereas the son can, mm -hmm. and teenage sons, they do, right? <laughs> <laughs> they take advantage of that privilege because they're, they have sonship, and so there's, there's honor that's given to the son that's not given to someone that is merely a servant, someone that's hired yeah. in the house. Right. And so Jesus is greater than Moses in the same regard because he's the son. Yeah. So this is the first of many times I'm guessing that this there will be this great emphasis on Jesus as greater. Right? It's going to come up repeatedly and repeatedly, like over and over and over. Yeah, Jesus is going to be better than everything. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> he's gonna kind of walk through I mean, he he's he's gonna talk about Joshua mm -hmm. just just briefly, um, but he's going to talk about the priests. He'll talk about the uh, the tabernacle itself. He'll talk about the animal sacrifices. He'll talk about uh, the old covenant versus the new covenant, which Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Um, he's better than these things. But he's starting off with the heads of the covenants. You got to start out with Moses, right? Because you got to start out with Moses because yeah. Moses is right. he is. Like he's gigantic mm -hmm. in in Jewish thought. I mean, even right. today, Moses is he's gigantic. Yeah. Um. There there hasn't been anyone like Moses. Um. So to say that Jesus is better than him is to say that the whole order of things, the whole way of thinking, the whole way of living, it has it has been changed. Right. Um. It's not. Uh, it's not business as usual. So. You can't you can't say, um, well, you have Jesus, but I have Moses. Uh, you you can believe that Jesus is the final sacrifice, but Moses gave us animal sacrifices. Uh, I'm going to pick the animal sacrifices because then I can keep my job. But you know, it's the same. It's not the same because Moses was anticipating Jesus, and um, when the when the the reality comes, the shadows fade away mm -hmm. when the sun comes in the servant fades into the background right right now this isn't to say that moses doesn't deserve honor and and he he's entered into his reward and um, this isn't to say moses is no longer important it's to say jesus has come uh let's read moses to see about how he tells us about jesus yeah right? so what we are to do we are to consider Jesus. Why? Why are we to do it? Because of his superiority. Now, three, uh, the third point that you have is how are we to do this? So explain how how are we to do this versus five and six. Well, it's um, it's we hold fast. Mm. We hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Okay. So, again, this is going back to this idea 
um, found in verse one of chapter two that we have to be very careful to pay attention to the message lest we drift. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to hold on. We have to hold fast. Uh, this is a, a term that means to guard or maintain. The The word is used in Acts chapter 27, verse 40, um, when uh, when Paul is on the, the ship to Rome. Mm. It's, it's used as a nautical term um, to stay the course. Okay. So instead of drifting, we have to stay the course. We've got we've got a goal. We got to hold on to it. We got to maintain maintain that that course, right? Same thing here, right? Um, we have to hold on. We've mm. got to maintain the course. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Stay stay on him. And don't. It's, it's like uh, it's like Peter. It's like Peter when Jesus is walking on water, and Peter says, "If it's you, call me out to walk on water." Jesus calls him. He jumps on the water. Peter's walking on water, right? Mm. Uh, until he looks around at the wind and the waves and the you know the storm, and then what happens to him? He starts to drown, right? He he immediately sinks in the water because he's taking his eyes off of Jesus. Mm. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look around at all this other stuff. Fix your eyes on him. Stay mm-hmm. the course. Um, if you if you don't, you're going to end up somewhere else right you end up drifting so we have to hold on well it tells us what we're supposed to hold on to hold on to your confidence um this this is a word that's used all over the place in hebrews i think it's it's used three or four more times um and it carries it carries the idea of fearlessness so um chapter four uh since then um let's see Oh, yes. Uh, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Okay. So since we have this high priest um, who's passed through the heavens, let us with confidence, with boldness, with fearlessness, approach God's throne. Um, not because of our own, our own works, our own righteousness, but because of what Jesus has done. Since Jesus has gone before us, we now can walk with with boldness, with fearlessness. Um, it, it makes us go back to chapters one and two and, and really think again about who Jesus is. Um, if, if he is um, the king, he, he is the, the true king of David, uh, you know, from David, he is the son of God, he's Yahweh himself, um, he... He fulfills all of God's purposes for humanity. He's he's reigning. Um, he's he's destroyed the power of the devil. Um, he's he's conquered our enemy. Um, he's overcome death. What are we supposed to fear? Like what's left? That, I mean, this is this is a big deal. I mm. mean these these. Believers, they've got a lot of things that are fearful. I mean, if you've ever lost your job, you know how fearful that can be. Have your property confiscated to be thrown into prison, um, to be isolated from away from friends and family. I mean, these are fearful things. Mm. But if Jesus has has done everything that he said that he's done in, in chapters one and two, what's left? What's left? What what are they going to do to you? They're going to kill you. Mm. That 
I love the the boldness that you see in the early Christians when they're they're being threatened with death. Um, I, I I put down just a martyr. You know, they can kill us, but they can't harm us. Um, I love the story of Polycarp when he's standing in front of the the Roman the Roman judge. The judge is telling him, you know, just just a pinch a pinch of of incense to Caesar, swear by Caesar. And Polycarp, this eighty year old man, he says. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, maybe you don't know who I am. He says, maybe you don't know who I am. I'm a Christian. Um, and then I love Martin Luther's yeah, quote. Pretty good I gave, one. Yeah. You know, um, chop off my head and it won't harm me. I have a God who can give me a new one. <laughs> right. Yeah. You read, um, you read Eusebius, his church history, and he writes about the, uh, the, the, the persecution under the emperor Diocletian and Eusebius, he, he lived through that. Um, so he's firsthand account of these Christians that are being rounded up and they're, they're being executed. And he writes about how they would go singing and they were rejoicing on their way to their death, to their execution. They're, they're rejoicing. What in the world could possibly lead someone to rejoice in the face of, of death because I know who Jesus is. Mm. Hold on to that. He, he's telling these Christians, hold on to that confidence. Hold on right. to that fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Don't let go of it. Remember who Jesus is. Hold on to that fearlessness, and that, that boldness that you, you can have because of him. Yeah. Um, and then he says um, to hold on to um, our boasting in our hope. Um, hope talk about hope a lot um this hope that's the sure confidence that we have um it's it's something that is certain to happen where we know because of what jesus has done that that all of these promises are true um and so this is a hope that we can we can really trust and we boast in it Mm -hmm. we boast in this hope um, this, uh, this same phrase is used over in Romans chapter five, where Paul says, um, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I have no idea why the translators of the ESV translated this word as rejoice because it's, it's the same word that's used over here in Hebrews for boast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the word for boast. I, I mean, these guys are better linguistics than I am, but I don't know why they, they translate it as rejoice. Um, it, it says we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's used um, several times. Not only that, but we boast in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. Um, And then down in verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice or we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So because of all that God has done for us, because we have peace, we have peace with God through Christ, um, we have access, we have access um, by grace into the very throne room of God, we can boast we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. We can boast in our suffering. We can boast 
um, in God through Jesus Christ. Again, it's not because of ourself, it's not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done for us, we can boast. Mm-hmm. This, is not a, this is not a hope that we have to hide, it's not a hope that we have to um, you know, keep secret and that we have to apologize for <clears throat> or make excuses for. This is something that we could shout from the rooftops. Yeah, c- we are boasting in God. I couldn't resist looking up the word. Uh-huh. So yeah, it, it's like the basis or the reason of uh, for one's pride. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know why they translate it as rejoice. <laughs> right. I, I love that that idea of we boast in it. Mm. Um, you know, as, as Christians, I think we're often taught we're not supposed to boast, but that's not. 100% true because the scriptures tell us that the one let the one who boasts boast in God. Right. And so because of what God has done for us, we can boast. Mm-hmm. Um, when we see this world that is tossed and and um, tossed about and they're afraid and they're they're just in despair and in chaos and they don't they have no certainty for the future um we can boast we can boast in the hope that we have christ has come he has died for us he lives he's coming again this is not something that we have to apologize for right this is not something that we have to say you know you've got your truth but i've got my truth and you know try jesus out for 60 days and see if he'll change your life mm-hmm. that's not the kind of christian faith that we have to have our uh, the christian faith or, that the bible tells us to have is one that we can we can about, puff up our chest and say look what god has done for me so we shouldn't sheepishly go yeah could you maybe uh, do us a solid <laughs> right now do us do us a quick solid and accept jesus as your oh, lord my and savior goodness. For those listening, that's uh, Babylon B guys. What they said to Elon Musk. We're gonna hit that on Friday, free for all Friday. But they legit said that. Last question: uh, Could you do us a quick solid <laughs> and accept Jesus, <laughs> your Lord and Savior? Yeah. I think I would have told Elon Musk, like, it's cool. You want to go to Mars? I'm gonna walk on Mars. Are you gonna? <laughs> and it's not even gonna be hard because. I'm going to reign the uni- through all the universe with Christ when he returns. Yeah. So I'll go to Mars. I'll go to any other planet I want. Yeah. Then that's, you can boast like that, right? <laughs> I think we can rejoice. That would have been it. a better start for him. Yeah, I think we can. I mean, the again, we look back at, this is all built on chapters one and two. And if you really grasp what he said, especially in chapter two, where, where it says that that he has destroyed the one who has the power of death and he delivers all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He helps the offspring of Abraham. He, he makes propitiation for the sins of the people. He is our merciful and faithful high priest. All of these truths, um, that they're real. This is not, this is not some kind of, of hypothetical situation. It's not some abstract idea. Like this is reality. Christ has done all of these things for you. You can boast in this. This is not a hope that you say, well, you know, uh, I hope that when I die that, that I get to go to heaven. And the Bible says one day you'll reign it. with Christ. Right. Yeah. Well, I walk around all sheepy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, again, that's why Luther I, said, if you cut my head off, he'll give me a new one. That's right. Yeah, it's like, what are you yeah. going to do to me? What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, this this fearlessness and this this uh, boasting and our hope, these are the things that we hold on to when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Okay, we're about out of time, George. So 
people may wonder, say, hey, give me give me some quick practical things. All right, I'm supposed to do what this text says, mm-hmm. consider Jesus, which is more than just give him a quick quick glance. Like I'm supposed to be thinking about him all the time, and that's really going to help me to persevere, and that's what I'm to do and why I do it, because he's superior to everyone, starting with Moses, the Old Covenant. And so how do I do that? Yeah. Right, so you gave these kind of bigger reasons how, mm-hmm. but still the question might be, how can I be, right, be doing that, holding fast this confidence and this having this like boasting in our hope? How? Yeah. Like, what are practical steps, ways to do that? Yeah, yeah. So I just gave a list of practical things to to help people, um, because you you hear this, it's it's kind of abstract. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, fix your thoughts on him. Um, but then you just kind of say, "Go along, little Christian, and and uh, good luck." And uh, there's really practical ways, nothing groundbreaking, things that we've probably talked about. I don't know how many times on the podcast. Uh, but again, it's it's always good to be reminded of these things. Uh, first thing that I put was preach the gospel to yourself daily. Um, this is reminding yourself of who God is, reminding yourself, "I'm a sinner. I need." I need Christ, repenting daily, uh, trusting in Him, remembering that that your standing before God, your your righteousness, your peace with God, it's not based upon yourself; it's based upon Christ alone. Right. And remind yourself of that. the The, the gospel is not just um, something for someone who's not a Christian to become a Christian, and then you just move on from it. Mm-hmm. The gospel is for a Christian every single day. Yeah, our whole life needs to be grounded in the gospel, um, and that that simply is considering Jesus. I think mm-hmm. but fix your eyes on Jesus. If you remind yourself of the gospel every day before you get up out of bed, um, you can't help but think about Jesus yeah. and what He's done for you. Um, regular studying, meditating upon, and obeying God's word. Um, we we can often I, I said obeying because we can get really stuck on reading. And studying, but we don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. You got to do it also. Um, and and I, I very intentionally put regular instead of daily mm-hmm. because I think that um, a lot of Christians, they get really beat down by this idea you've got to have a quiet time every single day and it's got to be this long. And if you don't, you're sinning. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in the scriptures, right? You don't see. You got to have a thirty-minute quiet time every single day, or you're not a good Christian. Now, is it wise for a Christian to spend time with God's Word every single day? I think so. Um, have we been given an embarrassment of riches? <laughs> like we own a Bible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you're using a Bible on your phone. Mm-hmm. Is it is it wise for us to spend time? Yeah, it's reading re- and meditating upon it every single day. It- of course. So what I just did mm-hmm. on my phone, when I looked that word up. Yeah, anybody can do it, right? Because that's that's like the free stuff. Logos <laughs> right gives everybody. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's crazy time. Yeah. So should we should we be um, you know faithful with the things God has given to us? Absolutely, um, and I, I think that will will be accountable to to whom much has been given, much will be required. We've been given <laughs> so much stuff. 
Um, so we need to be regularly studying and meditating upon and, and seeking for ways in which we can put God's word into practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, if you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, you, you think about the things that you love. Mm-hmm. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Your pastor shouldn't have to beat you over the head with, with you know, the family Bible in order for you to think about Jesus. If you love him, you'll think about him. Yeah. I like sports metaphors. Paul does too, though. So, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you just take off, like this was Christmas break, right? If you're an athlete and you just took two weeks off, yeah, man, you're going to be struggling right. when Christmas break's over. Yeah. But yet, a lot of times Christians will go in this long, they'll do the same thing, and they think nothing will happen. Yeah. Like, you don't accidentally become more conformed, right? Right. Now, if you are if you belong to belong to to Christ, if you're legitimately his, he'll discipline you mm-hmm. uh, in love like he would, like in, like you would do your own children. Yeah. And it's going to pull you out of that. But um, yeah, you can't just take, you atrophy, like your muscles would atrophy. Right. You're going to spiritually atrophy. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. having some type of a regular, like you said, if you miss a day, it's, it's not the end of don't the world. Beat, don't beat yourself up over yeah. it because you're not, you're not violating like a specific command. There's yeah. no explicit command read the Bible every day, because if someone in the Bible had done that, then the majority of Christians would have been violating it because they didn't own a copy right. of God's Word. Don't go on vacation from Jesus. Right. I don't, I don't. That's like something I've kind of had in my head for a long time. So whenever yeah. we go on vacations as a family, yeah. like I always want me to tell, tell my kids, like, we're on vacation, but we're not on vacation from being Christians. <laughs> right. So, you know, you go to the beach or whatever, Use seize the opportunities to be to teach yeah. your children and to right. be teaching yourself, yeah. and then go to church on vacation. Yeah, find a church. <laughs> like, find a church. Like we went to church on vacation in uh, Waikiki, yeah. Waikiki Baptist. Okay, and uh, it was interesting. Yeah, I learned. I learned that I think the Southern Baptists had a strategy because this was a Southern Baptist church. They were like built the same church on every continent. On the planet, apparently, <laughs> and I and every like chain of islands, like they like sometime in the seventies, some architect made a billion dollars because they built the, <laughs> same the same church, church. everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if people have been around SBC stuff, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Too. But yeah, it was it was interesting, but it was yeah. cool though because the guy that preached was not a good preacher. Okay. <laughs> but you know he was. Uh, and he wasn't. I, I really don't think he was reformed either. But you know, it didn't matter because you got to see that there there are Christians all over the place, and that was such a great blessing. And it really, it, it, while we were on vacation, it really helped us and our yeah. family because this guy used to be homeless in, in mm-hmm. uh, six okay. year, six years ago. At, there in this city, okay. he was a homeless man and having like mental problems and mm. you know all the stuff that goes with homelessness and drug addiction and all that. Yeah. And uh 6 years later, I mean, he's wow. doing the best he can to okay. teach the Bible. And so okay. it was really touching. Yeah. Uh but we'd have missed it all. Right. If, if we if took you, vacation yeah, from if church. Just taken off, yeah. You know. Uh that's that's another thing is setting aside regular time, you know, weekly worship attendance yeah. on the Lord's day. Um yeah, unless you're providentially hindered by, you know, illness or weather which is happening to, a lot which is happening a lot yeah <laughs> but if it's not yeah. you know make use of it there yeah. are christians around the world that that you know they meet in secret and it's yeah. dangerous for them to meet and here in america we, we're free to go to any church we want to and we're like eh, it's too early right. <laughs> like that's ridiculous to me 
And it's at like 10.30. Right. People like, get up get up and have to be at work at 8, 8.30 during yeah. the week. But, you know, 10.30 worship service. Uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's more important? Right. I mean, this is important. If you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus, if you're going to hold on to the confidence and, and you're boasting in your hope, then you got to... Mm-hmm. Make this a priority. Like you can't, you can't let Christianity, you can't let going to church just be one bubble in all these other things that are going on in your life. Like your faith needs to be your life, and everything else fits into that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we just, we just kind of regulate things to different boxes, and our Christianity is over here too. Right. That's not. Yeah. That's not New Testament Christianity. Yeah. Another thing to remember about church being like a part of your life is other people depend upon you and the yeah. like uh if you don't go people know and it's not that they're like keeping a tally you're missed you yeah the people people miss you you're part of something right and now you're gone yeah right so and and you know be involved and serve serve people mm-hmm. if you're if you're thinking about serving people you're going to be having your you're going to be imitating Jesus who was a servant and you're going to have your eyes fixed on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I put make use of other times of Bible study and fellowship. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a morning worship service, but there's Sunday school. There's members meetings for us. There we have Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting and children's catechism and there's community groups and that's not to say you have to do all of it, but goodness, make make use of the time that you have uh, mm-hmm. to be around other Christians and to spend time uh, studying God's Word together and praying and, and um, being accountable to each other and encouraging one another. Make use of those times. Again, we live in a place where we're able to. We don't have to sneak yeah. around for you know an hour to make sure no one's following us mm-hmm. uh, to the, the meeting place. Um, so why are we... Why are we so busy with all this other stuff that we don't spend any other time fellowshipping with Christians, um, listening to sermons throughout the week, reading good books, listening to good Christian music throughout the week? All of these things help us to focus, mm-hmm. fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, watch what you spend all your time doing. Like we, we spend so much time watching TV, going to movies, listening to other music, um, you know, playing video games, uh, name a hobby, mm-hmm. like whatever people fill their, their days up with, Facebook, TikTok, mm-hmm. right? Think of, uh, you know, keep a close eye on the things that you are, are thinking about. This is telling you to fix your thoughts on Jesus. If all you ever do is zone out with Netflix you come home and you just flop in front of the TV and for the next three or four hours, you're just watching TV. You're probably not fixing your thoughts on Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about what you're, what you're spending all of your time doing. That's, that's not to, you know, say throw your TV in the, in the trash. Um, never go to a movie. It's saying, um, examine your life and see what you're spending all your time doing. Yeah. Um, because again, you think about what you love, mm-hmm. um, and so, what are you thinking about? Um, you know, have deep conversations with other believers. Don't be content with just the surface level. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, really be involved in each other's lives. And th- this goes back to, you know, weekly worship. Don't sneak in after the service has started and then jet as soon as the service is over with. 
Yeah. Like be invested in each other's lives. That's how you serve one another and love one another. Uh, when you got to care for one another, you can't do that if you're a ghost. Yeah. Like I saw you there, but you were gone before I had a chance to yeah. say hi. Yeah. Right. Um, have you, like, You're gone like the people that, there's always a couple of visitors, right? Uh-huh. You get a couple of them a year. Uh-huh. As soon yeah. as it's over, they can't get out fast yeah. enough. <laughs> Right. We're out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, have regular family devotions. And I think that's that's something I didn't grow up doing. Right. I didn't grow up um, with my family doing family devotions. Um, it's something that I try to do with my family. We don't do it every day. Um, again, daily. It's super easy, though, when you have little kids. <laughs> Just kidding. George, come on. You got to laugh oh, with me, man. dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier the older your kids get. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get um, real creative when they're tiny. Yeah. But I mean, and there's no set way in which you have to do it. You don't have to have a full blown church service. Uh, just read a little bit of the Bible, talk about it, ask them questions. I mean, ask questions. That's that's the best way to teach kids, I think, is mm-hmm. to ask questions. Uh, the Socratic method, just ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but regular family devotions, let your kids see that this is important for you. Make this a priority for yourself so that your kids will see it um, and, and they'll Ooh. see that it's, it's important. Um, and then, you know, be killing sin in your life. Uh, you, can't, you, can't be, uh, you can't be indulging in sin and fixing your eyes on Jesus at the same time. Right. They're mutually exclusive. And, and what I said in the sermon is, is I, I think that Every time I, I fall into sin, every time I, I give into temptation, I think at the root of it is I've, I'm not fixing my eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm fixing my eyes on something else. Um, so th- those are just those are just some, and that wasn't exhaustive, I'm sure. <clears throat> right, I'm sure yeah, there's yeah. other things. Um, but What I thought of is like be ready to share the gospel and be sharing the gospel. Mm, if, you, yeah. if you're like ready to share the gospel and sharing it with uh-huh. people, then you're going right. to be focused on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right. That's going to keep you focused and locked in. And and uh, so be prepared for that. Yeah. Watch what you're spending your money on. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're fixing your eyes on Jesus and in the, if the mission of the church is important to you, then you're not going to be spending all of your money on other things. You're going to have some money set aside for the mission of the church, right? right? You're you're going to want you're going to want uh, to support the church. You're going to want to support church plants and missionaries, and you're going to want to do those things. So, your your priorities are going to reveal: Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. All right, very good. Thanks, George. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, and uh, coming up Friday, I guess we uh, will do the Babylon B interviewed Elon Musk thing and kind of show that and it was super cringeworthy. Did you watch it yet or you just heard about it? I have not watched it yet, but I have I have read and heard a lot about yeah. it. Yeah, so we'll show that. Yeah. Very very disappointed about that. And then who knows what else will come up this week. I'm sure some type of crazy things. Who knows? And we'll discuss it. So thanks for checking us out today. Uh, Conform to Christ. Hopefully this has been a blessing to you and has helped you to understand Hebrews a little bit better. Hebrews chapter 3. And you understand how um, we're to be keeping our our eyes on Christ and why we're to do that and some of the ways that we can do that. So if this has been a blessing to you, please give us a like, subscribe, share, maybe, maybe even write us a review and uh, pass it along to your friends. So thanks for checking us out. See you next time.